Welcome to episode 252 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 23rd of October, 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Atlantic Longwave. <laughs> Graham. Mm, hello. And Will. Hey. Is that an AM radio joke? It is. It was one that was actually in Meath, just north of Dublin here, and uh, recently their antenna was destroyed. Well, on purpose, because it is nobody uses Longwave anymore. That's probably all on the internet these days. Anyway, let's do some news then. The first is that Ubuntu 23.10 Mantic Minotaur has been released, which in of itself is a reasonably interesting release. The GNOME version that the desktop ships with has got some cool features like the keyboard backlight being in the power controls. That's probably my favorite feature. But more interesting is that the ISOs were pulled very shortly afterwards because of a translation incident whereby in the Ukrainian translations of the installer, someone had put some naughty shit in there, shall we say, some quite horrible shit, actually. And so they pulled the ISOs and then respanned them the next day, and everything's fine now. But it makes you wonder, how is that able to happen? I have a theory, but it is only a theory, and I do not know the full story behind this. I think this is indicative of there being fewer people involved in the translations community as a whole. In the olden days, when a translation would happen, there would be multiple people working on the translation. They would submit their results, and you would easily be able to see any outliers, and those changes would all get reviewed by multiple people. So we have, I think, probably two things coming into effect here. One is a lack of general translators to keep an eye on these things, and a relatively obscure language. I don't imagine there are a huge number of people in the Ukraine translation community to start with, and they're probably a bit busy right now. Mm. So I think it's kind of a combination of factors. So it, it's a shame. It doesn't surprise me necessarily. I think they dealt with it quickly and swiftly. It's a shame that it happened, but I, I guess it's just indicative of there being fewer people in the community now. It'd be one of those things where... A machine translation, not necessarily for the actual end product, but as a checks and balances against that, well, this is woefully different than what seems to be listed here. That would be quite nice to have that, but I guess somebody's going to charge a lot of money to use the translation API, so that is not going to happen. Phelan, are you suggesting AI? <laughs> I'm not, actually. Graham. I'm, I'm suggesting machine learning, which is an entirely actually realistic and useful use of computers, not made up of bullshit based on pixie dust and fucking moons. It's interesting that in 23.10, they've brought back the ZFS on route stuff as an experimental feature in the installer. And it looks like they haven't really changed anything. It's You get this huge bunch of data sets and it's all quite strangely laid out and uh, I spoke to Jim from Two and a Half Admins about it, ZFS expert, and he's not a huge fan of how they've implemented it, so it's very odd that they've brought it back I thought that had just sort of gone away not sure about that one. Yeah, especially with the tool that they were trying to develop along with it kind of stagnated or sort of was taken out I would have thought they would have taken the opportunity to maybe make it a bit simpler as well Zsys, that was called, I think. Yes, thank you. That's, I was desperately trying to remember it, and I couldn't. Yeah, so I do wonder what that's about and whether that's going to make it into the LTS, which, of course, is next. This is kind of the uh, dress rehearsal, really, for the 2404 LTS. But I've also been running 2310 on my 
M1 MacBook Air. Because now you've got Ubuntu Asahi, which uses all the Asahi stuff to get it going. But instead of Arch or Fedora, you get just plain Ubuntu. And this is exactly what I've been asking for. This is fucking brilliant. How does it run? It runs really well. It runs really, really well. I have just this stupid test that I do. The uh, the videos for the shows, I build with this Python script thing. And that makes the video using FFmpeg and some other Python stuff at a certain number of times real time. And with Ubuntu Asahi, it does it at about six times real time, which is faster than my 9900K machine. Mm-hmm which shows how fast the M1 is. But interestingly, on the M1 MacBook Air, it only does it at about four times real time in Ubuntu in UTM, which is the virtualization platform that's based on QMU. So I don't know if it would be faster in parallels. I would imagine it would be. But either way, yeah, performance is fucking brilliant. I really, it's quite exciting, the fact that the performance is better than UTM um, because it gives you a real reason for doing it. Yeah, unfortunately, no audio still, Hmm. but Bluetooth audio works fine. It's just such a shame because the speakers in that M1 Air are the best in any laptop I've ever seen. I've never seen any more expensive Macs, but the speakers are brilliant. So I'm sure that will come eventually. But yeah, Bluetooth audio seems to work fine. My Bluetooth mouse worked. Video out via USB-C with my little cheap dock thing didn't work, though. So that's a bit of a showstopper. But if you're just looking to use it as a laptop with some Bluetooth headphones, it works great. Oh, yeah, and weirdly, the Wi-Fi performance or reliability, stability, let's say, is better with Asahi versus macOS on the same hardware. Are you booting it off an external drive? No, no, just repartitioned the internal SSD. That's very tempting. I might have to try it. Yeah, the script, you just, uh, you know, curl pipe to bash. Good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's pseudo bash so <laughs> and uh it just walks you through resizing your mm. ssd and installs it and then there's a few steps you have to kind of unlock the security stuff and say yes and put your password in a couple of times but it's pretty quick and then you end up with just ubuntu and it's interesting that um it was properly like scaled to massive boomer mode which is which is what i love because my eyes are terrible so i think you'd probably be looking to uh turn down that scaling a bit most people but maybe not what do i know and uh, xfce doesn't seem to work well at oh. all unfortunately because i think and this is just i haven't looked into it this is just my uh, hypothesis here that it's totally wayland based mm. and they don't really give a shit nah. about xorg and so that would explain why. I mean, you can get the desktop, but then just moving the the mouse cursor around, it's all jaggedy and just mm. it's just really shit performance. So I don't think that Zubuntu is going to be an option, unfortunately. But I would rather have GNOME than macOS, I think, on that hardware, if the speakers worked. Mm. I mean, I've not tested battery life yet. I don't know how good that is. But otherwise, it's it's 90% of the way there. Now, and it makes me feel really good that once Apple abandons it, I'm not going to be totally shit out of luck. How much are those laptops going for on eBay secondhand these days? Any ideas? Four fifty five hundred, I think. Not bad. Yeah, I don't know what state the batteries are in and the SSDs. And um, yeah, they come with quite small SSDs, I think. And they're soldered on, and when they're fucked, they're fucked. So mm. that's certainly worth keeping in mind with the secondhand ones. 
I don't think I would advise buying one to run Linux on it at this point. But as something that will rescue it once it's abandoned, hmm. I'm now feeling really happy about that. The CEO of Unity is out. And Jim Whitehurst is temporarily taking over until they find a permanent replacement. Jim Whitehurst, did you say? That's funny. That's the same name as the old Red Hat CEO. <laughs> no relation, though. <laughs> yeah, not, none at all. No, so it is that Jim Whitehurst. It's a bit of a mm. strange turn up, isn't it? This comes off the back of that drama that we talked about. Unity wanted to change their pricing and developers were up in arms about it because it was retroactively changing the pricing on a per-install basis. And we talked about the problems with piracy and stuff and how there's no easy way to count installs and it was going to potentially be financially ruinous to developers. Well, they walked all that back and now it looks like he's had to leave because of it. I mean, he's obviously not said that's why, but the timing is a little bit strange, isn't it? It is. I mean, who knows? John Riccatello? It's interesting that he didn't make the announcement about the repricing and their new strategy for charging and taking the pressure on indie developers. I thought that was odd at the time. Um, obviously, no idea what's going on, but it's it's really interesting that Jim is now going to be the CEO. I have no idea what this means, but I am very interested to see. He does have a computing background, but at the same time, I think he's more MBA now. So it'll be very interesting to see what his kind of philosophy brings to the situation that Unity's in. Maybe a complete wrong, but it'd be interesting to see whether his skills in open source and even that, I don't know, you see it debated transfers to unity because in theory they've got a similar kind of problem to some other linux companies in that they've got a huge user base lots of people some people making money off their products but the vast majority of the people aren't making the money that the rules have been changed to kind of address and you know their statements are throwing them out with they're the baby in the bathwater. <laughs> i think there are some similarities in this problem I think it's just a coincidence, really. Mm. He's just someone with C-level experience who was knocking around with not much to do and a safe pair of hands to steady the ship for a bit while they find someone permanent. I don't think the Red Hat thing and the open source and all that has much bearing on it, surely. I think his background as somebody in a, com a popular community, as a figurehead of a large and growing community, I think is what his job will be in the in the short term the complaints that i've seen from developers all revolve around the general theme of the trust has gone now we won't invest time and energy in unity we're done and i think that jim's job will be to reassure all of those people and i think he knows how to do that he knows how to speak to customers and make them feel like it's worth paying for something that previously they could have got for free i.e red hat and centos and things like that and then make them feel happy and make them feel included, I think he'll do a good job of that. Whether or not he'll be able to turn it around, I don't know. But I think of all the people who have experience of doing that, I think he's got a good chance. Well, he's clearly a very competent CEO, isn't he? Mm. He oversaw massive growth and the buyout from IBM and everything. He's clearly very good at his job. I don't want to imagine Linux commitments, but that'd be nice and be more on topic. But it'd be so nice if Jim is able to make the company promises to its community that they won't change, that they cannot change the rules underneath people's development feet, their foundation, like they have done. 
for me, that would be the only way to pull it back. But it'd be interesting to see if he can get that past the board. Seems unlikely, especially as he's only interim CEO. Yeah, yeah. How to download and install Linux. In this article, choose a method to install Linux. Choose a Linux distribution. Follow install method instructions. And then after installing Linux. This could just be one of a million blog posts. Except that it's on learn.microsoft.com. Well, I download the PDF, and at the start of that PDF, there was eight separate advertisements and screenshots from Microsoft products at the start of it. So I don't think anything's changed. They just realized that other people can be sold their shite. So I read that page, and the first suggestion it has is, if you're a beginner, you should use WSL. And I instantly channeled failure and I thought, yeah, I knew it. It's just a, a way to get you hooked onto WSL. But then I thought about it a little bit more and I thought, you know what? I'm okay with that. It should be easy for Windows users to get onto Linux. And that's fine. They will get onto Linux and then they will enjoy it. And And we've talked about this Previously, my belief is that they will enjoy it so much that they will want to use it full-time and they'll move away from Windows. So I'm okay with it. I've made my peace with WSL. I think it will be a force for good. And the fact that they are talking about this on their website, I think is quite uh, a good sign. So I'm choosing to be upbeat about it for now. Good for you. (laughs) Look, obviously they're going to say use WSL first and then otherwise virtualize it or bare metal Linux, they say. And they have very sensible instructions. Use Etcher. Yeah, that's probably what I would advise someone to do. And then choose a Linux distribution. And they're pretty straightforward about it, aren't they? There's not really any bullshit here. They say, you know, Ubuntu is probably the easiest, or Mint. And, you know, they mention Arch and Slackware and CentOS. And, you know, they are pretty balanced about it. It's, It's a pretty... I don't know, overall, just a quite a reasonable article, I think. And obviously they're going to concentrate on WSL. It's fucking Microsoft. But I think they present the arguments for the various ways you can run Linux in a pretty objective way. One of their arguments for not installing Linux onto bare metal, which made me laugh, is that you won't have access to Windows tools like Outlook, Teams, PowerPoint, etc. Oh, no. <laughs> What do I to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that is sort of true, isn't it? Mm. At least native versions of them. It just amuses me that they've done this. And they didn't really make a big stink about it. People just discovered it and it just got talked about. Oh, I'm trying so desperately not to be fucking cynical about this, but I just can't. I, that's why I'm, I'm not saying anything because I just can't. What? Look, the reason why they don't give a shit anymore is because Office 365 has eaten the world with all the stuff. It's everywhere, and it's getting worse by the day. Yeah. If they have Linux, even bare metal hardware on a Windows network, you still have to pay the fucking cal for it, the client access license. It doesn't matter whether it's Linux or Windows, you still pay it. So it's a machine on the network, they get money out of it. And yeah, look at all the Azure shite on that thing as well. It's just all over the place. It's uh, uh, the, the battle's well and truly lost, and they they did a nice little faint and bluff with all the other stuff. And yeah, it, they've they've well taken over from where they used to be. And I don't know if any of you saw that thing. I, I don't know where it was. It was to do with one of the articles about the lobby group that they've got going on right now. And they said the sheer amount of money they've got for their lobbying tactics that they want. Like, this is really not an animal that you want to be on the wrong side of. And they have so much money these days and so powerful in the political moves that they're able to do 
that, you know, they're not our friend. What about this? You are a child, let's say, or a young person, and your parents are not keen for you to fuck around with your computer, the laptop that they've bought you. Or you are in an institution and they definitely don't want Linux installed. Being able to point to, look, this is an official Microsoft page telling you how to install Linux. It is an endorsement of Linux, in a way. It's a vindication, almost, that Linux is fine to install on your hardware. Oh, geez, thank God they told me that. I don't know what I've been doing for the last few decades. Like, I'm not talking about you, Phelim. I'm talking about people <laughs> who have trust in Microsoft. Well, then that's, that was our first fucking mistake, wasn't it? <laughs> Look, you must understand where I'm coming from here. I choose not to. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I, I do think, you know, Joe and Will are both right. The fact that they've got Linux install instructions, you know, officially, they're recognizing it as something you can install as an alternative to Windows. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, but it does. It, it doesn't. <laughs> Everything that's out there is all networked and it's all back in the cloud and it's all locked away. And it's Yeah, but you could say the same thing about the, the web apps that we often complain about as well and the, the future of open source with that. That's a totally different battle. I don't see how this changes any of that. It's still Linux as we it, actually it's GNU slash Linux as no one pointed that out. <laughs> well, Phelim, you are wrong. This is definitely a net positive that they are writing about installing Linux. So just shut up. Mm -hmm. And then they become the de facto voice of it all, and we slowly lose power. Good. We good, don't have good, any yes. power, Phelim. <laughs> You're right, but we'll have even less. <laughs> you have to have power to lose it. <laughs> Okay, this episode is sponsored by Collide. If you work in security or IT and your company has Okta, this message is for you. Have you noticed that for the past few years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about have something in common? It's employees. Hackers absolutely love exploiting vulnerable employee devices and credentials, but it doesn't have to be this way. Imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. In this world, phished credentials are useless to hackers, and you can manage every OS, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues without creating more work for IT. The good news is, you don't have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and it ensures that if a device isn't trusted and secure, it can't log into your cloud apps. So support the show and visit collide.com slash late night Linux to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember that for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed of either just this show or all the shows in the Late Night Linux family. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Has PlayProtect removed KDE Connect from your phone? Let us know. This is a thread on Reddit to kind of collate people's experiences because some people were reporting that KDE Connect had been just mysteriously removed from people's Android phones. And people were blaming it on this Android feature, PlayProtect. Now, when I heard about it, that made me think, hang on, I saw a related story, didn't I? I looked at my RSS reader and 
Here we are. Android will now scan sideloaded apps for malware at install time. So this is not necessarily related, but it is too much of a coincidence that Google is upping their game when it comes to so-called sideloaded apps on Android. It must be related. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't lose KD Connect, so I can't say. And I don't have Play. <laughs> yes, I know. So obviously, they're not going to reach into your phone and remove it. Yeah. I don't think that this is a case of Google trying to do evil shit. I think it's incompetence. I think that it's a false positive that's happened here. They're scanning for malware, and something has gone wrong, and they've removed KD Connect. Now, uh, enter Phelan with his conspiracy theory-laden bullshit. No, uh, but I would just say, uh, be thankful this isn't a child sex abuse image scanner that has now flagged you as having it on your phone and the police are about to kick the door in. Oh, absolutely, yeah. These things are just atrocious. They just don't work. Or, or they work most of the time, enough to make them dangerous that people think that they really do work, and then they blanket install them across the place and discover, oh, fuck no, there's a whole lot of edge cases we didn't think of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in this case, it's a relatively harmless thing. Okay, KD Connect got removed. You have to reinstall it. That's an outrage is what that is. But yeah, you're right. This is a perfect argument for not installing the uh, CSAM protections or whatever, scanners, because it only takes a couple of false positives for it to be a disaster. And that delightful fucking phrase, there's no smoke without fire. Oh, fucking hell, there is not. Yeah. So that's good that you don't think this is some wild conspiracy from Google to crack down on KDA shit then. I, don't, I just don't have enough tinfoil to go around, really, <laughs> is what the problem is there. But see, this is where I would love that you could choose to install the F-Droid repo keys and things like that. Like, I don't see why only Google has to be the key that is installed by default. It annoys the shite out of me, even on my lineage phone, that, you know, you can't get the full benefit of the place or sorry not the play store the f droid store because you know it's always seen as oh you're enabling a third-party repo as well no allow me to install it as a first-party citizen you know i I just that that's annoying me yeah i think overall it is a good idea to scan for malware inside loaded apps because people may have downloaded all sorts of shite from websites. Mm. The only sideloaded app I have is Signal because there is no F-Droid install of it and I'm not installing the Play Store one because I don't have that either. So I have to get there sideloaded and that's the only one I have that's done that way. I came across this recently with, um, there's a queue, I've got some cheap LED strip lights in here and then, you know, they're attached to a 12 volt PSU that attaches to some small random white box with a QR code on it. Is that how you make it all red and dingy in there? Yeah, that is. (laughs) But I used the remote that came with it. So I thought, I'll see what the QR code is. And the QR code is a link to an APK (laughs) of its own controlling app. And, you know, I could see people just doing that. Yeah. And so I think it is a good thing. But false positives are going to happen. Yeah. Gnome Foundation welcomes Holly Million as executive director. And as opposed to about how she's got 30 years experience running nonprofits, not much in the way of software and definitely not open source and Linux stuff. But, you know, that's fair enough. Her job is to run a nonprofit and, you know, organize events and fundraising and stuff. You don't necessarily need to know about GNOME and software. There's engineers and DevRel people for that. But um, it has since emerged that uh, she has a bit of a colorful background, shall we say. 
It's only available on archive.org now because she seems to have deleted her website. But her website header says, Holly Million, the shaman artist. And then you read her about page and it talks about how she's a shaman and lots of bullshit that doesn't make any sense to me. And this has caused a bit of a stink. Yeah, unfortunately, the comment that I really liked was already marked as the community is temporarily hidden because they said you could literally have taken anybody off the street and there would have been a less controversial choice than this. <laughs> it's like, I just thought, oh, chef kiss to that one. That is just priceless. <laughs> a professional, essentially, well, they con artist. I mean, whatever your belief system is, but to take money to do stuff like that, ah, it's, it's just a bad, it's a bad look, a really bad look. And like, was there nobody else in any form of IT role that could be better suited for this? It's bizarre. You see, I, I don't buy that argument. You see, I don't think you should be hiring someone who's a fucking shaman artist. Let me get that out of the way. But equally, I don't think that it's someone who needs to have software experience and know about Linux and shit. That's fair enough. But I mean, you're talking about a large number of people in an organization that is spread across the world. That's a particularly specialist skill set. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, it could be someone who's got a background in running various nonprofits for charity work or, you know, in the arts or whatever. There's no reason why you need to be a technical person to run a nonprofit. Really? A technical organization, though? I think you do have to have something like that. Well, it couldn't hurt, could it? And, you know, if you had two candidates and one had a technical background and one didn't, you'd, you'd prefer them. But ultimately, I think running the GNOME Foundation doesn't require technical skills i think for a candidate to not have technical skills and i agree with you in principle they have to have something other exceptional to bring well it's pretty exceptional to be a fucking shaman artist isn't it she could communicate with the ghosts of all the removed features (laughs) (laughs) it's like a thousand checkboxes screamed out and we're silent we weren't gonna go there oh well i'm going there i don't care (laughs) it does seem like an odd choice and did they not know that she had this background it just seems odd to me very i don't understand why and i guess it would have been nice to have seen that communicated it's because it's nearly halloween they needed some (laughs) witchy stuff (laughs) (laughs) all right Fadim, you've snuck a mini kde corner in here become a plasma six supporter yeah, the countdown has properly been officially started and it's uh, 127 days and a bit. So February 28th, 2024, KD6 is coming out and they are looking for donations for anybody who can help. They will have perks of getting your name in there, some other stuff they're hoping to think of coming up and all that fun sprints, travel, academy itself and, um, you know, pays for the support staff, you know, the admins and things like that and the the board so if you're able to and if you can give something that'd be great all right and uh slimming down k notifications sorry k notifications <laughs> indeed <laughs> well it turns out that k notifications is in fact about one of the most comprehensive uh, notification systems that works on uh, linux windows mac os and android and they have had to keep that stable because of the fact that it's obviously running in qt5 based um plasma 5 so 
now that six is coming up, that allows them to make a couple of, well, breaking changes, you know, change the compatibility of it. So what they're going to do is remove all the KD specific dependencies and have them only QT dependencies. And then that would be a library that would be available for anybody writing a QT app to get notifications on all those systems. So I think that's quite good. Right. Well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week with probably some discoveries and who knows what else. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later. Thank you.